0: Hello everyone and today I am re-releasing an episode from November 2020. I apologize there's no new episode today but life has just come out of nowhere and absolutely smashed me in the face this week and I have not had time to research, sit down, record, do any of those things for the show. So rather than give you a a show that wasn't really worthy of a show. I thought it was far better to delve into my now extensive back catalogue of over 300 episodes and bring you one that you won't have heard for a long time if you are a long-time listener but probably haven't heard before because it was from nearly two years ago and it's about homesteading before you have a homestead. So What sort of things can you be practicing if you don't yet have a homestead? What sort of things can you learn? How can you upskill yourself on how you can integrate the idea of learning and doing homesteading stuff before you actually have that piece of land that you might be dreaming about? So that is the topic of today's podcast and like I say it was originally broadcast back in 2020 so again I apologize that there's no new show today guys please forgive me I'm going to do a sort of extra oddments next week to get you all caught up because I think you'll soon understand why I have been unable to record this week it's been so busy we've been doing lots and lots of work in the garden and loads and loads of projects as well if you follow me on youtube you'll see a lot of those projects when I get round to editing those videos and get them out, you'll see that we've harvested our honey. We've built our fence in our garden. We've harvested some figs and preserved that. We've done all sorts of things on top of my regular day job. And of course, next week, I will also have a big update about my September challenge. Exactly what we're doing. And we'll be getting over the start line on that as well. Anyway, enough of that. I will speak to you on Monday and I'll hand you over to today's episode. hello and welcome to the self-sufficient hub podcast i'm carl from selfsufficienthub.com and i'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency all things homesteading and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production sustainability and food security matters Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 119 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. I think it's episode 119. I'm starting to lose track. I will say, I think having uh, just uh, one episode off on last Friday, as you all know, I didn't actually publish a, a real episode, and it's throwing my numbers out. So, in my head, I'm struggling to keep track these days. But uh, I think we're on episode 119, and. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that has come from an email. So I received an email a week or two ago and it's from someone called Riley and it reads like this. My name is Riley and I'm from the US. I've just started listening to your podcast, checking out the episode titles that interest me and i am decided that I'm going to create a homestead that is as self-sufficient as possible. I'm in college now so I can't do much yet but I was looking for advice for anything that I could do now or in the near future to prepare and I have replied to that email but the main gist of my reply was to say that I think this is such an interesting topic that it warrants an entire episode so that is what today's episode is going to be. It's going to be talking about how can we start homesteading before we have a piece of land, before we have our homestead and you might be surprised that there's actually loads of things that we can be doing, and that's going to be the subject for today. Before I get into the meat of today's episode, with it being Friday, I thought I'd just give everybody who's interested a quick update on where I'm at, and for those of you who listen to every episode and follow me on YouTube, you'll probably already be pretty much up to date, but I thought it just warranted a a couple of minutes here just to bring everyone up to speed. So, around three weeks ago, I had a significant fall. I fell from a ladder, and was it three weeks ago or two and a half? Yeah, about two and a half weeks ago. And uh, basically, I landed on my head and my hand, and I had been suffering for quite a while with the after effects of the head injury. And I think those are all behind me now. I still get very, very dizzy when I stand up, not every time, but occasionally, maybe once or twice a day, I'll get up and I need to steady myself before I fall over. And these are just some of the after effects that are not permanent. They're not serious. They're nothing to worry about, but they are a little bit uh, unnerving sometimes. But the main issue that I've got is with my right arm. So I broke my radius which is one of the two arms in your forearm and I broke it in quite a significant fashion. My wrist basically saved my head. My wrist took the brunt of the fall and the pressure and impact on my wrist reduced the impact on my head which uh, I'm extremely grateful for and there's nothing long term nothing permanent but I have had to have surgery on my wrist my original surgery was cancelled got put back and I eventually had it last Thursday so 8 days ago today and I've got very very limited mobility in my fingers and my thumb on my right hand and almost zero capacity to actually bear weight and lift things and move things with my right hand so it's extremely frustrating it has been painful it's not now it's not too bad at all now I'm controlling it with some very very basic painkillers there's nothing long term to worry about it's just a little bit frustrating because I haven't been able to do really anything around the house or in the garden I can't even prepare meals for my family which is really frustrating because I'm stuck at home and I'm not really able to be very productive and I won't lie there are days when that has gotten me down a little bit and I am fine I'm not depressed but there are days when I've not felt particularly happy and we all know that you know things like exercise make us happy and I should probably just take my own advice and go out and walk more and meditate more and uh, all these things and and as I say I will be fine I'm Going back into the hospital on Monday when if everything goes well they'll be removing the cast although it might be a bit premature we'll have to see but I'm on the mend things are getting better and yeah so that's where we are with that aside thank you all to everyone who has just sent me well wishes and has replied to my YouTube updates with the same it's been really heartwarming I've had such beautiful thoughts and wishes sent my way and I've appreciated every single one of them. I think I just have the very best subscribers and followers in the world, I really do. Um, I'm not a huge channel, I don't have millions of people following me but those that do have been incredibly, incredibly supportive. So thank you all ever so much for that. I, I do, as I say, I genuinely Appreciate it. Right, with that out the way, then, and I hope you don't think that was all woe is me, because uh, that's not how I feel. I'm just trying to bring you guys up to speed. But with that out the way, we'll get into the meat of today's episode. So my wife follows a YouTube channel, which uh, I, I don't really watch a tremendous amount of YouTube, but I do take a reasonable amount of it in through osmosis, just by being around my wife and she follows a channel called Roots and Refuge Farm and the lady there called Jess coined a phrase and it is so fitting it is literally encapsulating the whole thought process behind trying to start before you've got a homestead and and that saying is make your waiting room a classroom or turn your waiting room into your classroom so it means rather than just waiting for your homestead use this time to upskill and to train yourself and to do all the things that you can do to make it so that when you do get your homestead your piece of land your big garden your small garden whatever it is you might be that you're going to settle into you're already ahead of the curve and there are so so many different ways that you can do this and It really shouldn't be all that limiting. Now, of course, if you don't have a big space, it's going to be limiting insofar as you're not going to be able to keep goats and have your own milk, perhaps. You might not even have enough space to raise your own chickens or you might not have the lifestyle that allows you to raise your own chickens and things at the moment. But there are lots and lots of things that you can do. The first thing I'm going to say is just grow something it really doesn't matter how little space you've got because you can grow things just on a windowsill. I've mentioned this several times before, but, you know, just growing something is so important. It, for for more than just the purpose of providing food, although that is important, you're going to just do so many things. So you are going to be providing some food for yourself I'm going to suggest that you start with herbs if you've never grown anything before they're super simple to grow and they're going to allow you the chance to do lots of other homesteading things just from that small pot in the window so if you grow your own herbs let's say for example you grow a pot of parsley it's really quite it is quite possible and quite achievable to think that you could grow in one little pot enough parsley to be self-sufficient in parsley and that alone is an achievement it's going to teach you how to grow things how to tender plant or at least some of the basics of that you're also going to be able to perhaps harvest it and preserve it by drying it so it's going to get you into that natural cycle of growing harvesting tending preserving all from this one little pot now of course you can grow more than just a pot of parsley there's tremendous number of herbs you can grow and it's going to come down to what you eat so the other thing it's going to do and I love this about herbs is it's going to help you to switch your thinking you're going to already be starting to think about how you need to relate the things you grow the things you choose to grow to the things you eat There's no point growing lots and lots of herbs and spices that you don't eat. And you're going to want to grow more and more of the things that you do eat. If you like basil, as we do, you're going to want to grow quite a lot of basil. If you're going to use that to then make things like pestos, then you might be surprised by how much basil you can actually grow and it be worthwhile. So by setting out in herbs, you've got this vast array of herbs in front of you. And you get to sit down and make all those choices. And these are gonna be really useful thought processes to practice because when it comes time to plant your first vegetable garden or your first significant vegetable garden, you're gonna be already practiced and skilled in the process of knowing what is worthwhile for you growing. And there's so many things that just go into that decision. You've got on one hand, what do you eat? What do you eat a lot of? What costs a lot of money at the supermarket versus what's very cheap at the supermarket? What's easy to grow? versus what's not easy to grow so you might choose to grow some of the herbs and spices that you don't use a tremendous amount of but they're incredibly easy to grow rather than some of the other things that perhaps you use a little bit more of but they're not very easy to grow it's going to get you to get to grips with the difference between growing annuals and growing perennials and there's so many things that leach out from this idea of just growing some herbs that are transferable skills out towards your vegetable garden and anything else that you're going to grow learning that different plants have different requirements some plants want moist soil almost all the time some plants you want to allow that soil to really dry out before you water them and when you do water them perhaps you don't water them quite so much these are all thought processes and things that we need to learn to think about and learn to check and just growing some herbs can allow us to do that and of course we can go a little bit further once you've grown some herbs we can also grow some tomatoes on our windowsill we can maybe have a small container garden on our patio you would be surprised what you could grow in just a few small containers on your patio you might choose to get a bucket and grow some potatoes in it. There's a million different things you can grow in a container the size of a regular builder's bucket. In fact, I can't think of much that you couldn't grow. There are a few, but not many. So grow something, start with some herbs, but by all means be more adventurous and grow as much as you can. But there really isn't anyone that I can think of who has a lifestyle and a space that they couldn't grow something in. Like I say, even if it's just some herbs. And the benefits to doing that is you've you've done exactly what we said at the start. You've turned your waiting room into your classroom and you're learning already. But it doesn't have to stop with just growing. There's so much else we can be doing. hi guys i'm just very quickly interrupting the show to say please consider supporting it if you'd like to consider supporting this one-man operation there's lots of ways you can do it one of the easiest of which is just to talk about it to share it online on your social media pages or with friends by growing this audience is one of the best ways that we can actually ensure that the show is sustainable if you'd like to support it more directly then please consider becoming a patron you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub by becoming a patron you help me to achieve things that i'd love to be able to do in the future such as buying better equipment to increase the quality allowing me to pay myself some time to spend on the podcast again increasing the quality of it and also paying for things like transcription and show notes if you would like to do that please do consider going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub thank you Everything you do to support this show is really appreciated. Different people will have different ideas as to where to start. And I've had guests on the show that have recommended different things. So for me, it does, I think, always start with growing something small. But other people have suggested things like making your own bread, you know, baking your own bread being a great place to start or getting to know the place around you. Buy an ordnance survey map, at least that's what they're called here in the UK, buy a map of your local area and get to know it. So these are other options. So getting to know how to grow plants but also getting to know the whole process of food from the growing of the plant right through to the cooking and the preparing, the preserve, all that is something that I think is invaluable. So baking a loaf of bread is certainly something else that you can do which is going to increase your readiness and your ability once you do have your homestead up and running and the same would apply with going out there into nature and spending some time out there getting to know your local area learning a little bit of foraging we can all forage for some plants fruits vegetables in our local area and you might be really really surprised at what's about and this is a great thing a great hobby that plugs straight in to the idea of self-sufficiency really really well the thing that I would recommend next from my personal experience would be to switch your eating just slightly to try and eat more seasonally eating seasonally is a massive part of becoming self-sufficient I think and There are so many positive benefits to it, not least of all for the planet. The idea of eating seasonally means you're going to be reducing food miles. And eating seasonally and preparing your palate for a seasonal diet is also going to pay dividends when it comes to growing your own crops because you're going to be far more able and ready to use the things that you're growing. You're going to have a wider variety of crops available to you to grow because you're going to be used to using and eating a wider variety of plants rather than always having the same diet all through the year your diet will vary with the seasons so it's going to become wider and that's going to allow you to utilize different plants that you might otherwise have been unable to use it's also going to allow you to keep your budget down your costs down because eating seasonally is also cheaper It's also going to help you with reducing food waste because you're going to be far more adaptable with not just your eating habits, but also your cooking habits. And that adaptability is a huge string to have on your bow. It's going to be part and parcel of what allows you to use everything you grow, but also to get more out of what you're growing. Because by reducing our food waste, then effectively what we're doing is we're turning every Thing that we put in our fridge in our larder in our fruit baskets we're turning that into more food by reducing the amount of it that goes to waste and hand in hand with that goes preserving so one of the first things that I would recommend that people purchase because you can purchase a fully functioning quite reasonable useful dehydrator for a very small amount of money is that dehydrator and it's one of the easiest ways to start preserving food. I personally bought our dehydrator for around 30 to 35 pounds I think and we've had that for three years now and we use it a tremendous amount and we use it to dehydrate mushrooms, we use it to dehydrate herbs, we use it to dehydrate fruit, we we use it almost all year round but from around July right through to November October it's almost always running so a dehydrator I consider to be one of the best things to buy as one of your first homesteading purchases for the kitchen and it's going to allow you to start that process again of reducing your food waste by preserving things but it's also going to get you in the habit of preserving things so that coupled with the idea of eating seasonally we're going to also be able to preserve things in season for use out of season, which brings me on to another thing that we can do. If we're buying all of our food in the supermarket still because we're unable to grow our own, we can also do things like look out for things that are on special offer and buy all of those tomatoes that are on special offer because they're much cheaper to buy them today and use that that tool of buying them cheaply to upskill yourself in two other areas so not only are we going to reduce our costs but we're also going to upskill in preserving because by buying all of those tomatoes far more than you could eat today but because they're reduced you're then going to be able to practice your skills of preserving making passata and water bath canning and drying and freezing so that by the time you are growing your own tomatoes and you're growing for gluts because your tomato growing window might only be four or five months. You're already going to be really well placed to be able to preserve that harvest to get you through the rest of the year. And as you can see, this all ties into one another. Each of these things ties into the things we were talking about before. We're already covered. Eating seasonally, well, we're now talking about using that eating seasonally and extending our seasons by preserving. So these things all really do go hand in glove with one another. Now, if you really want to work towards self sufficiency, one of the first things you're going to do when you do get a homestead is you're going to want to start making your own compost. It's a huge part of the Cyclic nature of keeping everything within a system and not wasting materials. So, getting some practice with compost is going to be hugely beneficial. Now, in this day and age, there are all sorts of options, and you can even get small countertop compost bins and things that you can use in your kitchen, or you can get slightly larger compost bins that go just outside your door. Now, of course, this might in a small property where you're producing not as much as you might otherwise or certainly not as much as you want to long term might not provide you with that much compost but it might provide you with a pot or two which is going to allow you to use that next year for your pots that you're going to be growing things on your windowsill in and that cyclic nature and that idea of keeping everything within a system and not wasting any of the products that come through our hands is vital to the idea of self-sufficiency and it's also going to help you get used to composting. There are all sorts of methods from using worms to vermicomposting and things like that to hot and cold composting. Now they all require different spaces, they might require an initial outlay of a different type of bin or perhaps the worms themselves but these are all things that you can look into doing even in a flat and When I say look into doing it brings me on to the next thing you can do which is to read. There are tremendous amounts of literature out there both online and on paper. I personally am a big fan of having books but you need to have the right books. Now I would steer you to my episode that I did talking about books and which books I would recommend but different people want different things so get yourself some good books go on recommendations have a look online and start reading because there's not a lot you can't find out these days it's so much easier than it used to be there is a dearth of information out there the only downside of this is there is also misinformation out there and it's very easy to get a book and we've all done it we've all bought a book on a topic that we are fascinated by that we're really excited to read and then we've got it home and found that even if we managed to make it all the way through. We didn't actually learn anything from it. The book was just lots and lots of words that told you things you already know and that's why it's really important to make sure you get the right books. So I'm going to recommend, as I always do, Carla Emery's Encyclopedia of Country Living. I think there's something in there for everyone but there are an absolute myriad of choice out there and just like I say find recommendations go back to the podcast I did where I was talking about the books that I would recommend and you know get yourself out there and find some but go to a library and of course there you can peruse all the books for free so definitely get yourself some reading material and start digging around online and just look into every aspect of what it is you want to do because the more knowledge you have the better place you're going to be to make fewer mistakes or at least to have mistakes that you make be ones that you learn from you could also start planning gardens. It's something I really enjoy doing and I'm getting around to that time of year now where I will be planning my 2021 garden and I sit down, I get a piece of paper and I draw out all my separate plots and I plan what's going to go where and it's not just a random mess. I do use crop rotation But even if I didn't, there is still a lot of thought that goes into what I'm placing where different plants have different properties, different plants cast different amounts of shade. So you need to think about which plants are going to be directly to the north of which other plants or directly to the east of which other plants that shade is something that is going to be a detriment to some plants but it's going to be an advantage to others. So by doing a little vegetable garden and thinking about what goes where and why, thinking about which plants you're going to want to access on a near daily basis and which plants you might want to access on a weekly or even bi-weekly basis planning your garden around all these things is going to help you intuit different things about the plants and learn a little bit more about the plants before you've even put a seed in the ground you can also start building networks with people now as regular listeners will be aware we feed our animals for almost free the food that i do get i buy a small amount of animal feed And that's paid for by the cost of our egg sales. But the rest of our animal feed comes from donations. Basically, I collect it as waste products from commercial premises like fruit and vegetable shops. So thinking about what animals you might want to keep or what produce and things you're going to want to bring in and building those networks now can be extremely beneficial. You can do this a number of ways, but one of the great ways of doing it is by volunteering just speaking to local growers local fruit and vegetable shops places like that and maybe offering your time and the beauty of volunteering is it doesn't need to be a long-term commitment it doesn't need to be x number of hours or days a week it can be an ad hoc thing because you're not getting paid for it you could also try and get an allotment we did an interview just a couple of weeks ago on allotment gardening and allotment kitchen gardening and you could start that there's no end to the things that you can do now to increase the availability of land to you but of course if time is the issue then there's not a lot you can do about that but i hope that's given you lots of ideas of ways that you can get started before you can get started and i will look forward to speaking to you on monday This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening and I'll speak to you really soon.